3: My girlfriend, Lisa, the one with the reddish hair, short, 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 with freckles all over her face, she died the first week of COVID.
2: Marlene Baker has lost a lot of people she loves this past year.
3: My Leslie, I've known for years and years, even when I was homeless, she just died too. Everybody's dying on me.
2: Marlene has struggled with mental illness for years. and that kept her living on the streets for a pretty long time. She racked up some minor arrests, she cycled through jail, and found herself back out on the streets. Reporter Lee Romney started following Marlene's story almost two years ago, before COVID, spending time with her in person. And since we've all been locked down, Lee's been checking in with her by phone. How's your kitty cat?
3: He's beautiful, Leo, Leonardo.
2: These days, Marlene has a home. She lives in Siskiyou County, which is a really rural part of Northern California. Lee, tell us why you decided to report this story from Siskiyou.
1: Well, to give you a sense, Siskiyou County is enormous, and it's not very populated. 6,000 square miles, and there's fewer than 44,000 people. Um, And as a journalist, I've spent a number of years covering the collision of our mental health and criminal justice system. We tend to think of that as an urban issue, but it is a huge issue in rural areas too. And it has a big impact on the small jail systems there, and on people like Marlene. And so um, that's why I wanted to kind of explore what does this look like in a place like Siskiyou County, where, you know, transportation is hard to come by, housing is hard to come by, and most importantly, mental health treatment is hard to come by.
2: I mean, it sounds like there are a lot of challenges, and, you know, stories about mental health sometimes can be pretty grim. But- in this case, something hopeful actually came out of Marlene's story.
1: Yes, it did. It turns out that Marlene's success has actually helped bring about some really bold changes in the way Siskiyou County is dealing with its mental health crisis.
2: I'm Sasha Coca, and on this episode of the California Report magazine, we're bringing you an excerpt of Lee's reporting from the podcast in production called November in My Soul.
3: Hi! and Marlene. Marlene.
1: Marlene lives in the little town of Weed, just an hour's drive south of the Oregon border. Her one-room unit in a rundown former motel is nestled up against Interstate 5. Still, it feels peaceful inside.
3: This is the main room. This is where I sleep. This is my little closet. And this is the old little bathroom. I try to make it all homey with beautiful... Things and. Marlene's
1: that, petite and she's wearing a fluffy purple vest yeah, and matching are, dusky um, eye makeup that looks Eastern perfect.
3: Indian. I am Marlene Elaine Baker and I'm 57 years old, and my caseworker from Behavioral Health got me in here.
1: Behavioral Health is what they call the county mental health department here, and her caseworker is Lois Edwards. Marlene grew up in a tiny Central Valley town.
3: You blink, you miss it. It's like a mile long. I grew up normal. We had a nice house, we had money, went to school, graduated.
1: She got married, had a couple of kids, and then got divorced. Her parents had a vacation home up in Mount Shasta, so that's where she headed.
3: I got here first, before they retired.
1: She got a job in the front office of a local eye doctor, and then an accident.
3: It was snowed and turned black ice, and I took one step out of my car, and took my whole spine out. I even had to give my kids to their dad to raise while I went through all the surgeries and the healing process from that.
1: And then a complication.
3: There was spinal fluid loss, and I didn't know it, they, that they tore the, the spinal covering. My brain stem was dry for four days.
1: Marlene's bones healed slowly, but something else inside her had changed.
3: I'd get hysterical and not know what's really going around and say stuff that didn't make sense. All of a sudden, flip out and you don't know why.
1: She wound up living on the streets in and around Mount Shasta. Living outside here is hard. There are real winters. It snows.
3: You don't get no sleep at night because there's mountain lions walking through downtown Mount Shasta in the middle of the night, there's bears.
1: She was pretty much the only woman out there.
3: All the guys would watch over me while I slept at night, you know, people coming up, you know, to kick you around. And they all watched over me. And I've lost about four or five of them right now. And the other ones, they're still going in and out of mental hospitals.
1: Marlene's family pulled away from her. Her erratic behavior, angry outbursts, they didn't understand it any better than Marlene did. This is a small
3: place though, and her mom would see her panhandling. She'd shake her head being embarrassed. She'd pick me up and take me to buy a sandwich. They didn't know what to do with me. I went to the Catholic church in Mount Shasta, the Methodist church, and I cooked on Saturdays for the homeless and the hungry. So I was just church friendly with everybody. I got very spiritual.
1: This went on for longer than you might imagine. Marlene was homeless for more than 15 years. She didn't know what she knows now. She hadn't gotten her diagnosis, schizoaffective disorder. She didn't know about the brain injury that probably triggered her mental illness. She didn't know she was ill at all.
3: Sometimes your mind plays tricks on you and you do things. It's so deceiving. The mind can be so deceiving. I didn't trust my mind for a long time. Still, I'll wake up sometimes in the middle of the night screaming, you know, like, is there a ghost in here or something? And then I just take my medicine.
1: It's important to remember that Marlene never sought treatment on her own. Even in big cities, plenty of people slip through the cracks of the voluntary mental health system. So involuntary commitment under what's known as Welfare and Institutions Code 5150 is a key tool to help people like Marlene who don't think they're sick. In rural areas, though, that process
4: can be extra traumatic. Here's
1: Marlene's attorney.
4: I am Lael Kafitz. I am the public defender in Siskiyou County. Her office
1: is small. She supervises just four other attorneys. All of them, Lale included, transplants from urban or suburban California. Something else you need to know
4: about, Lael? The judges call me the crazy whisperer, which is a terrible phrase. But I have an ability to talk with people that have florid mental illness. And I think part of it is because I I talk with them and not to them. This is a
1: small community, so Lael saw Marlene around town a lot before she represented her.
4: She used to hang out a lot around the, uh, the Chevron Sports and Spirits. And she has this beautiful smile, and she's just a warm person.
1: The police became familiar with Marlene, too. Not long after she became homeless, they realized she needed help. So they picked her up and handed her off to a county mental health worker for one of those 5150 holds. Once you've been flagged as someone who needs at least 72 hours of urgent help, then the search begins for a psychiatric bed
4: in a locked facility. There's not a single crisis bed in Siskiyou County. There's not a single residential substance use disorder treatment bed here. If someone has a psychotic break or they are 5150'd, they go to a hospital that is hours and hours away. You have to leave your family. You have to leave your support system. So for
1: Marlene's first hospitalization, she traveled 260 miles south to Sacramento. Suddenly being locked in a strange building so far from home, she says it was scary.
3: It was like, oh my God, I'm never getting out. You know, what are they going to do to me?
1: stories about our colliding mental health and criminal justice systems are usually told out of more diverse urban places, like San Francisco or the LA County Jail. And we know that if you're Black or Latinx and experiencing a mental health crisis, you're more likely to wind up in one of those urban jails, in part because cops who encounter you are more likely to make an arrest, or worse, Siskiyou County, though, is overwhelmingly white, with pockets of intense poverty and big addiction problems. That's not to say race isn't a factor here, but lots of white people like Marlene wind up criminalized because the mental health care they need just isn't available. As for those psychiatric crisis beds, statewide the number has plummeted since the 1990s, and most rural counties now have none. So after Marlene's treatment stint in Sacramento, when law enforcement picked her up, they took her straight to jail, where she was booked for minor crimes like drunken public or hitchhiking, and released right back to the streets. To get more meaningful help, she had to commit a more serious crime.
3: Leading up to why I was arrested was I came over for the weekend.
1: Marlene's parents had invited her over for Thanksgiving. And during the night, woke up to her screams. She was in a psychosis, delusional and hallucinating. She thought an intruder had stabbed her in the chest. She didn't recognize her own family. And in the chaos, she told her mom, I'm going to kill you. This is the night that changed everything for Marlene.
4: Here's Lael. Her mom was scared. So they called law enforcement, not understanding what they were setting in motion. There was no putting the brakes on that.
1: Lois Edwards, Marlene's longtime social worker, just happened to be at the jail the night law enforcement brought Marlene in.
4: She was pretty um, psychotic, and she was talking about people slicing her breasts like Thanksgiving
1: turkey. She was accusing the guards of, of raping her right then in, in the
4: situation that we were in, when they weren't even near her. So, Yeah, I didn't
3: remember, I didn't remember, that. That. I didn't remember that. I don't remember certain things. Yes. When you go into an episode, some of it you can remember, some most of it you don't.
1: This part is important. In Marlene's terrified, psychotic state, she had threatened her mom. So the district attorney charged her with Penal Code Section 422, making criminal threats. It's a crime that can be charged as a misdemeanor or a felony. But if it's charged as a
4: felony... It's a strike under the three strikes law. It changes everything about how you're treated in the system, how you're treated by law enforcement.
1: A felony conviction also makes it difficult, sometimes impossible, to get government-subsidized housing. It can mess you up for life. And sure enough, prosecutors charged Marlene with a felony. But the first thing that happened after she was booked
4: into jail, she got released. She's female. And there is a terrible but very true statement in my office that the get out of jail free card in Siskiyou County is a vagina because there are not enough female beds.
1: A lot of rural jails are old and overcrowded. And because community mental health services are so hard to come by, they bear the brunt of people experiencing mental health crises. Data pointed us to Siskiyou County because about half the jail inmates here are on psychiatric meds. Many cycle through fast, like Marlene, booked and released back to the streets. But she was still psychotic, and she was clearly incompetent to stand trial. That means you can't follow the legal proceedings, understand the charges, or help your attorney. The process of regaining competency usually involves a trip to a state mental hospital. And those beds are nowhere near Siskiyou County. The prosecutor
4: wanted her in jail, wanted her in the hospital, wanted her in custody. But she was already out. And by some miracle, Marlene made it to her next court appearance. And that is the thing that saved her.
1: Sometimes it takes an exception to create a new rule. And that's what happened here. Marlene became a test case. The judge, the public defender county mental health officials, and even the prosecutor came to an agreement. There was no room at the jail anyway, so they'd try to help Marlene on the outside. But how Marlene was going to comply with court demands was not at all clear. There's hardly any bus service in Siskiyou County. To get to the county seat of Wairika, Marlene mostly hitchhiked. It's 36 miles away. Still, Marlene showed up. She kept her appointments. But the judge wanted some assurance that Marlene would be able to keep making her appointments. If she had an address, a behavioral health fan would be able to come fetch her.
3: The told me, she goes, you gotta get off the street to make it look better. And getting off the street was key to my healing.
1: And so Lois, her social worker, started searching for a place for Marlene. First in a series of motels, and then finally, the tiny place with a lot of highway noise, but four walls and a door with a lock. Her first night...
3: I had a backpack before a pillow, and Lois grabbed uh, from Behavioral Health a comforter.
1: Still, she missed the outdoors.
3: You breathe all the fresh air all night long. You're under God's heavens. It's hard to stop being homeless.
1: Even with all the difficulty of surviving, uh, you feel like you have freedom.
3: Freedom. You're free.
1: Marlene had gained a different kind of freedom. She wasn't in jail. She wasn't in a locked psychiatric hospital. But she still had a looming felony criminal case. For her to retain her freedom, she needed to be fully engaged with the healing process. She had never done that before. And there was one man in particular who would be key to earning her trust.
0: I am uh, William Lofthouse. MD, I uh, specialize in general psychiatry.
1: Dr. Lofthouse is Marlene's psychiatrist. No surprise there, he's the only psychiatrist practicing in Siskiyou County, in the whole county. This is a huge problem in rural communities. It's incredibly hard to get clinicians to move here. When an earlier psychiatrist died, the county recruited for four years without getting a single application.
0: Actually, I'm a
1: contractor. I'm not a true employee. He's 86 years old and going strong. Lael, the public defender, says he's the reason so many of her clients are actually engaged in treatment.
4: He is a miracle. He is able to form connections with people that have not ever formed a relationship with a psychiatrist. It took a
1: team of key players to help Marlene succeed. Without them, it probably wouldn't have happened. And Dr. Lofthouse, he was critical.
3: He's wonderful. Just wonderful. He's one of the best psychiatrists I I could, could have ever gotten.
1: Marlene was improving. She was taking her prescribed meds, she was housed, and she'd stopped smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol. It was time to enter a plea. Lael, the public defender, knew that pleading guilty to the felony would undermine Marlene's ability to remain housed. Since she was clearly psychotic when she threatened her mom, she had another option, though, to plead not guilty by reason of insanity, or NGI. But the way the statute is written, entering that plea means you go to a state psychiatric hospital for at least six months, and often for much, much longer. Marlene
4: knew the risk involved with that because she had to personally enter the plea. That's the law in California. To enter an NGI plea, the person has to, on the record, say that they understand that they could essentially spend the rest of their life in a state hospital, but she did it. Total leap of faith.
1: Lael would argue that sending Marlene away to a state hospital wasn't necessary, and it wasn't humane. Getting everyone on board with that, though, was more complicated than it sounds. There are risks involved, and the next guy you're going to hear from thinks about those risks all the time.
0: My name is Kirk Andrus, and uh, I'm the district attorney in Siskiyou County.
1: Kirk Andrus and his wife moved here in 2005 to raise their five kids, drawn by the beauty of the mountains. A year later, he ran for top prosecutor and won.
0: It was really actually very energizing to be able to hit the street and just knock on doors in a county the size of Connecticut.
1: Kirk knows this collision of the mental health and criminal justice systems is bad for everyone. He also knows the local treatment resources here are pretty thin.
0: You go into those cases with full awareness that we are not equipped to deal with the problems that they have. And so that's very frustrating. You've got a community that wants to be protected, but you also have a person who needs intervention and not necessarily the kind of intervention that we have to offer. I would say that it's a massive problem.
1: Prosecutors spar with defense attorneys everywhere. But there's a specific tension that plays out in a conservative rural county like this one. Remember, Kirk is elected. He has to try to make his constituents feel safe, especially since so many defendants are getting out of the crowded jail early. So he pushed hard for Marlene to get sent away to a state hospital. But prosecutors don't have the final say. Judges do. And in Siskiyou County, thanks in part to Marlene's success, They've seen that even with all the rural challenges here, lack of housing and transportation and crisis beds, freedom is important to healing. Marlene, the judge ruled, could stay right here at home. If she complied with her treatment, the felony charge would eventually be dismissed, like it never happened. But for years, she'd have to check in regularly with the judge. On August 13th, 2019, Marlene's case comes up on the Siskiyou County Superior Court calendar for the very last time. Nearly six years after that fateful Thanksgiving, her ordeal in the criminal justice system is about to be over.
3: Did you sleep last night? No. (laughs) Coffee and cigarettes all night long.
1: Marlene Baker gets to the courthouse in Wairika in a crushed velvet spaghetti-strap dress and perfect smoky lavender eye makeup.
3: I was so nervous. Yeah. I didn't sleep the night before that either.
1: It happens fast. The judge congratulates her and declares her restored, as in restored to sanity. She and Lael hug. I wait for Marlene outside the Wairika Courthouse, where I can record.
3: And this is where I've been coming for six years, fighting the case. All because of my mind. I've been here many, many times. I know everybody in there. And they all know me. Some of those guards are the guards for uh, the jail. I said, bye, it's over. And they went like this, (laughs) Clap for me.
1: Marlene says she'll keep going to her mental health appointments and taking her medications, but she worries about so many of her other friends from the streets.
3: They knock on my door still, and they're babbling, and things are making sense, and I'm different now. Because I take my medicine, and they're still being sent off to the state hospitals and stuff. They need help.
1: That's the thing. Marlene is just one person. The morning she's in court, about a third of the cases on the calendar just happen to be mental health related. But Marlene's success inspired a plan to do more. A few months later, Siskiyou County launched something called the Behavioral Health Court. All those rules that were bent for Marlene to let her heal at home, that's policy now. Everyone, the judges, Layle, the county's behavioral health department, even Kirk Andrus, the prosecutor, could see how much Marlene's freedom had benefited her. I could see it too, when I visited Marlene again in the fall of 2019. That looks so good. green
3: chicken broth, red onion, Mushrooms.
1: When I swing by Marlene's apartment, she's slow-cooking some lentil stew in a crock-pot. She's about to take it to her peer support group. She's actually the facilitator. She got a lot of training for that. It's taken years, but Marlene is healing. And she's also mended the painful relationship with her parents and siblings, especially with her mom and her sister.
3: They'd look at me sometimes like I'd lash out at them. And i just smile. You know, I mean, they, they were testing the waters with me when they started asking me to go shopping with them. A lot of times I didn't have money, I just went with them. But then I started finding these sales. <laughs> the three women, we, we clicked, and we had fun.
1: Marlene's parents are both seriously ill now, and
3: Marlene worries about what comes next. They're my stronghold to keep me... You know, it's straight and narrow on the, on my meds, and I'm not going to have them anymore. So I'm going to be alone. As for Marlene's
1: kids, they cut her off years ago. But she's not going to be totally alone. She has her peer group.
4: <laughs> <drink> a, lot <laughs> a lot of coffee. Of coffee. Like one
3: time a week, I get coffee. So it's like, ah, i got to go to uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: There's a lot of love and respect in the room.
3: So we are calmed down, and we're going to check in. And we're gonna have some good food. I'm gonna play video
1: my yard. It was really moving to see how dedicated Marlene was to her peer group and how much helping them was helping her. After I said goodbye, though, things got rough for Marlene. First, her longtime caseworker, Lois Edwards, died unexpectedly. And then, COVID hit. The peer group is technically allowed to meet, but...
3: Nobody wants to go because it's six feet apart and you can't eat in there, and that's why they always came there, is because I fed them. I would bring them good food.
1: And the losses just keep coming.
3: My mom died first, and two months later, my dad died.
1: Given all that, Leol Marlene's former public defender, says the fact that Marlene has stayed plugged into mental health services and that she's still housed, those are huge victories. Plus, the changes that Marlene's success helped put in place in Siskiyou County have taken off. Thanks to grant funding, there's now supportive housing available in two group homes for people like Marlene.
4: Perfectly set up to have everyone have their own space, have dignity, have privacy.
1: Everyone who's booked into the jail now answers an iPad questionnaire to see if they need mental health care or might be good candidates for the new mental health court. And this past week, the court hosted a celebration for three new graduates.
0: It appears you've met uh, your goals of treatment. You've done everything that's been asked of you. It's like an A-plus. So congratulations to you, David.
1: All longtime locals who've gotten to heal with their freedom intact right here at home.
2: That's reporter Lee Romney. You've been listening to an excerpt of a story Lee produced with former public defender Jenny Johnson. They're co hosting a new podcast called November in My Soul, all about mental illness, confinement, and liberty here in California. Their editor and engineer is Gabe Graben, and their work is supported by a production grant from California Humanities. You can learn more about the podcast, November In My Soul, if you visit californiareport.org. The California Report magazine is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Our senior editor is Victoria Maleon, and our director is Amanda Font. Brendan Willard is our engineer, and Hector Arsate is our intern. And this week, our team is mourning the loss of our longtime colleague, Penny Nelson. You may have heard her as a host on this show, or you might have heard one of her amazing stories told with heart and humor. Penny was a burst of light and joy in our newsroom. I'm Penny Nelson. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. And I'm Sasha Coca. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. That's right, a dollar and ninety-nine cents. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your eBooks, or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randad Difdat from ThruLine.